Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Curious Conversations with Tully and Sarah. We sit down and chat with business owners, entrepreneurs, and some of the best conversation starters. This is a podcast about real-life lessons and people doing cool shit. Hey guys, what is up? I was just about to say, yo, what is up? (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Curious Conversations. Happy bloody Wednesday. What a day to be alive, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So on today's episode, I think, Sarah, you should dive straight into the intro. Oh, it's a bit awkward. This week. She's actually sitting next to me, so don't say that. (laughs) No, this week we sit down with... Your mum. How exciting. Yes. And what is your mum's name? My mum's name's Barb Wood and she is a psychotherapist who has a non-for-profit charity called Boo Bodies. She um, has a method of checking your breasts for young women mm-hmm. called ABCD method, which, which customer, yeah, customers would know from purchasing some of our products. Um, we dive into a lot about grief and how to deal with grief because mm-hmm. I'd kind of say that's mum's speciality. Yeah. What would you say? What you just said? <laughs> no, and we talk about getting to know yourself. It's it's obviously brought up a lot in the um, conversation and I think I'm definitely walking away from this conversation learning something and I think a lot of people will as well. Yeah, I think it it's um, a great listen for you to just walk away and just be like, huh, how can I get to know myself a little bit better? Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Well, enjoy listening to my mum, guys. And the awkwardness of your voice. <laughs> um, don't forget to like, subscribe, and pass on to all your friends. And have a beautiful Wednesday. Bye. Yo, what's up, guys? Happy Wednesday. Today we have a very exciting guest, and I'm excited. I don't know about Sarah. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> She's looking a little bit awkward. Drum roll. We have beautiful Barb. Now, Barb is Sarah's mother. Hi, mum. Hi, little one. Cute. I don't think I could have my mum on the podcast, So, but my mum's boring. So anyway, <laughs> she doesn't listen. It's fine. Hi, <laughs> Liz. I know. I don't even know if she knows how to listen to a podcast, so <laughs> she doesn't listen. But welcome to Curious Conversations. Thank you, Tal. How are you? I'm good. I'm How's good. my daughter? Yeah. I'm <laughs> I know. Really How good. are you, Sarah? I'm really well, thank you. A little you. bit red. Yeah. A bit well, of sun. We're in the sunshine state. I just copped a little bit of sun. You did. Yeah. Your face is a bit red. It's either that or she's embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. So tell, tell, tell us, tell, why do we have mum on today? Well, we have Barb on because you have done some amazing things and we wanted to talk to you about it. Not only have you brought up Sarah, who... He's an absolute legend. (laughs) (laughs) But you've done some amazing things. You've got a non-for-profit charity, which we'll dive into, but you're mostly a therapist, right? That's right. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, I'm a psychotherapist. Okay. So if you're wondering the difference between psychotherapy and counselling, a counsellor will probably sit with you and come up with a short-term solution to a problem so you can move forward, whereas the therapist will help you go deeper and see why perhaps that 
that problem keeps arising for you, why you keep reacting to it in a way. Okay. So really therapy helps you clear issues that have been probably hidden. Yeah, from childhood? Or? From childhood, yeah. yeah. Can, can I just, Mum, move your arm a little bit? You might knock your mic over. <laughs> oh. I'm not going to knock my mic over. Goodness gracious. She's not going to move. No, <laughs> don't move. You are a therapist and, to be honest, you speak to me and all my friends quite a bit mm-hmm. and you give us great advice. But one thing I really want to talk about because it's something, an emotion that everyone in life goes through, whether it's it's grief and it's whether if a loved one dies or a relationship ends or anything, everyone always experiences grief. Yeah, so grief is a part of life mm-hmm. um, and mainly associated with we all think of grief and we think of the loss of a loved one from death. But grief has many faces, so it can be like what we're experiencing now. COVID, you know, people have lost their jobs, Mm -hmm. they've lost their security, they've lost family that they couldn't see it with. Um, And grief itself comes in, I like to categorise it in three ways. So normal grief, which we'll all go through and we'll eventually move forward through. Um, Delayed grief in which people experience something and it's sort of denial comes into this one and you think, oh, no, I'll be right. I'm okay, you know, I've, I've dealt with this. Mm-hmm. And then that can then become complicated grief. And complicated grief is where we all have to be really careful because I have a firm belief that there's a direct association between emotional disease and physical disease. But mm-hmm. if you want, we can talk about that later. And then there's anticipatory grief, Mm -hmm. which I think most people once, you know, are experiencing now, the what-ifs in life. Yeah. So you project forward and we tend to go doom and gloom as we project forward. So I believe for people to be able to cope with grief or get through grief, they do it and they acknowledge it when they've acknowledged their circumstances are real Mm -hmm. and what is, is. Yeah. So going back to anticipatory grief... With what we experienced in Victoria, it's something I think we Lockdown. all, yeah. Mm-hmm. If a COVID case arises, we're like, oh God, we're going to be locked down again. It's that, that's what you're talking about. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Or and if anything happens yeah. in yeah. your life, like, I mean, I lost a baby when I was 21 and it was pretty horrendous mm-hmm. and it was an ectopic pregnancy, blah, blah, blah. So I just anticipated that because this had happened once, Mm -hmm. it would happen again. This would be a pattern in my life. So I'm constantly sitting in a state of grief. And sitting in a state of grief, you're sitting with stress, you're sitting Mm -hmm. with fear. Yeah. And, you know, once again, let's go back to our health. It's really unhealthy to stay in that state state like that yeah. fight or flight yeah, like the stress yeah. yeah well you're more in you're more in flight all the time yeah. you're trying to escape yeah. what might happen that hasn't happened do you think by being in that state you're kind of like we talk about manifestation a yeah. lot do you feel like you you manifest more grief because you are in that or like bad things to happen towards you um I'm not sure if you manifest yeah. it. Yeah, but, but you're only like fo- attracting it. You only focus on the negative, yeah. so that's all you see. Exactly. Constantly. So you're going to see negative in anything. Yeah. And perhaps you'll believe that's a manifestation. You know, something really crappy might happen. Mm. You think, oh, my God, I manifested it because, you know, I'm doom and gloom yeah. and I, I didn't think this would happen and I never thought this person had phoned me and they don't phone me. So you project that you've manifested it, whereas in actual fact it might just be an occurrence in life. Mm-hmm. How do you shift that perspective of negative thoughts? You go and see a therapist. Really? 
Yeah. Call Bob. <laughs> because sometimes we're all stuck yeah. and we're stuck and that, that position of being stuck in whatever you're in becomes your normal. Yeah, it's true. So you accept it as this is just my life, this is the way it has to be. And it's, it's the old cliche, nothing's going to change yeah. if nothing changes. Yeah. So if we were to call a therapist, how would you sit down with us? Do you do um, like, well, how do you kind of fix the problem? Okay, so Is it talking? Is it activities? Well, you get to know the person. Okay. And so each person experiences grief in a very different way mm-hmm. and responds or reacts to grief. So you can't actually help that person move on unless you know how they're responding or reacting or what type of grief it is to begin with and what it means to them. Yeah. And so most most responses to grief are pretty much learned behaviour from childhood. You know, we replicate what we've seen Mm -hmm. and for some people that's great. You know, they know how to handle grief and they know how to move on and they accept that it's part of life. Yeah. For other people who are constantly living in fear um, and have never been taught how to use fear as a positive, um, it's very stressful. Yeah. Can we talk talk about death? I know that's quite morbid, but it's something that we all go through and I'm guilty of this myself. When someone dies, you, I do make it a little bit about like oh, I'm, about me, like oh, I'm going to miss that person. I'm sad. I'm so I'm, sad yeah. rather than it's about that person. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and how people can look at death and things that occur in a different light? Once again, it depends upon the type of grief. Um, say I was to sit with a young mum um, whose child had died. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not making it about herself. You know, in a way she is, it could be not, but I'll, I'll never get to raise this child, I'll never mm-hmm. get to see this child as a teenager, I'll never get to see this. But for that young mum, I personally believe there's a huge component of sadness because that child will never get to experience life. That's, yeah, mm. it's true. So it's not all about that young mum. Um, as Sarah and I know, in our family at the moment, we have a really unwell relative. Mm-hmm. And I was chatting to my 93-year-old mum about this the other day, and, yes, she will be sad. And I said, but, mum, grief can be really selfish. Mm. And granted, her generation looks at grief very differently. And perhaps I did before Mm -hmm. I became a psychotherapist. But, you know, when someone passes, we're full of sadness and grief and, you know, tears. But why? If we're honest, it's because I can't pick up the phone and talk to them. Mm. I wish I'd had that conversation. I wish I'd spent more time with them. Mm. It's very ego-fueled. It is. And it's very much about yourself. You know, I sit with, um, I specialise in oncology psychotherapy, which is sitting with patients diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And they have an acceptance of what will be. um, The sick patients or the people around them? They all actually come come to the acceptance of what is. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about grief. And you you asked me about dying. it can actually, once you acknowledge you're going to die, now this is a big one to digest and you may not be able to straight away, once you really, really, really acknowledge your mortality and that you are going to die, mm-hmm. and then in actual fact you don't know when, age mm-hmm. is irrelevant, you don't know how, you don't know when, you don't know why, you'll start to live life. And by that I mean you won't, life won't be a rote existence. You know, you won't get up 
I don't know, go to the toilet, wash your hands, go and flick the kettle on, go back, you know, do whatever, um, sit at your laptop, I don't know, whatever your daily ritual is, you'll shift that up a bit. You know, you, you'll, you'll find that you need to vary your life to gain more experiences because as someone wise once said on their deathbed, you can't take your money with your love. Yeah, it's true. Yet you can take experiences. Yeah. Did one of your patients say that? It's actually my dad. Oh, oh really? what's that? <laughs> oh. So you just mentioned you sit with a lot of patients that are not quite well and stuff like that. Yeah. What would be like, this was a question we were talking about yesterday that we wanted to talk to you about and I'd love to know because I think it will make a lot of us live life a bit more full. What would be the top three regrets people say that they wish they had of top three? Regrets. Regrets of, of the life dying. of people that are like very sick and dying um that they hadn't probably the number one is that they hadn't focused so much on money that's interesting mm-hmm. okay and let money really drag them away mm-hmm. from their family and friends mm-hmm. um number two would be that they had not appreciated what time is yeah because we don't know what time is until mm-hmm. all of a sudden time may be taken away yeah. from us and what would number three be um that they actually hadn't got to know themselves. Okay. How does one get to know themselves? Oh, here I go again, Sarah. Therapy. Yeah. Because you accept yourself for being who you are and for anyone who's had therapy, um, there are lots of aha moments. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Oh, yeah, I didn't realise that. That's why I do that. that. Mm. Oh, yeah, oh, my. Oh, that's why I do that because your normal is your normal and until you sit with someone who has the skills and strategies to plant the seeds within you to awaken what's been laying dormant, you don't know how to do it yourself. Mm. Like I, you know, throughout my life I I didn't go to therapy and now I so wish I had of. And it's really difficult because, you know, I'm 66 years of age now and I want to put this old head on everyone's young shoulders Mm. and just say, please go out and do it, get to know yourself because... You know, it's the most important relationship you'll ever have. Do you think most of your shit you carry comes from childhood? Yep. Okay. So, like, explain. I mean, we talk about this all the time, like childhood trauma and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Can you just explain? I think a lot of – it took me a long time to realise what childhood trauma was and how I was getting affected or reacting to certain things. Can you just give us an example of what that would be to someone that's listening that is confused? Okay, can I use a cancer patient as an example? Mm. So she's a young mum, she's 38, she's got two little girls um, and she was diagnosed with cancer, if my memory serves me correctly, in 2015. Okay. So as we chat right now, she's in hospital. Um, She was told her treatment wasn't working and um, she got a cold. But to a cancer patient, that's pretty life-threatening. So she's on IV antibiotics at the moment. And we sat together and I noticed that over a period of time, so I've been seeing this beautiful young lady for possibly three and a half years now, and she kept talking about her mum and her mum and her mum and it was concerns that she did not want to be like her mum and her effing mum and her effing childhood. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of anger and a lot of stress and if you're in therapy and you you often learn more from someone's body language okay. than you do from what they're actually talking really? about. Oh, yeah. I mean, someone could be saying to you, I'm fine, 
and but they're like shoulders. Yeah, their are like shoulders tense. are you know tense, yeah. or they're you know they're clenching their fists or whatever. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Mm. Yeah, and um, because you know words are words are. It's easy to yeah. say stuff. It's not so hard to hide your body language yeah, or your emotions come through your body language. So anyway, at one stage I said to her, gosh, you know, you've shared so much about your mum. Why don't you say it to your mum? And she mm. said, effing hell, I don't effing want to see her again. I said, oh, fair enough. Then I received a text. Will you come with me? And I said, yeah, Sure. So we met with the mum and I strategically placed myself on the same side of the table as the mum so mm. it didn't appear like we were, you know, two against Ganging one. up, yeah. And she spoke about her childhood. And when I sit with people, and I think it's something that's really important to acknowledge in life is that an occurrence will occur and two people can be there but they'll view that occurrence very differently mm. and their story pertaining to whatever's happened will be very different. So she preempted the conversation with her mum, like, this is my story and I'm really interested in your story because this is how I feel and this is how it's affected me. And I, she had a really, really traumatic childhood. It was, it was pretty gross. And she believes in her whole heart that a huge contributing factor to the genesis of her diagnosis to, for her developing breast cancer was this traumatic childhood and her reason being that like it was so horrendous. She was the eldest of three siblings. She had to take on many roles mm. and it just had to become her normal because there was really no one there to support so, her. So she was, she was angry at her mum yeah. because she had to take on the mother role. She was angry with absolutely everything, yeah. with the circumstances in life with her mum at the age of 38 now. Why didn't mm-hmm. she speak up sooner? Why didn't she address this issue? You know, we all live on wise. Oh, but yeah, the fact is it didn't happen. So anyway, so she chatted to her mum and, um, well, they resolved it that, she didn't see her mum for a while. Mm-hmm. But in that interim period, I thought, you know, we, she's still carrying stress. So Monash Uni did a research study and they have discovered that for anyone who's had cancer or who has cancer, stress, chronic stress makes the cancer travel through the lymphatic system six times faster. Wow. wow. So we're sitting with a cancer patient It's to alleviate, constantly alleviate stresses. So just to get them to talk about their stresses, take the weight of that stress away and then gain an appreciation for what they have Mm -hmm. so that when the therapeutic session ends, they're okay because, you know, life's shitty because of X, Y, Z, but they've got this, whatever this is. Mm. So, you know, I, I wrote a little book once and one of the sayings in the book was when you find your why, you'll always find your how. So, yeah. yes, she attributed it to her mum, but there was nothing she could do. Mm. So she'd said her bit. So we worked then for the next 18 months on gratitude and forgiveness. I was going to say it's kind of like acceptance and forgiveness are the yeah. two biggest things you have to actually work on once you've... Mm-hmm. In life, In said, life, yeah. yeah. I posted something... Oh, I'll get it out later, but I posted something the other day about forgiveness because that's the thing that I think I hold a lot is like things that have happened in my life and I haven't forgiven and I think once you forgive, it's just like that stress kind of exits. But, but then mentally you also have to see things through fresh of course, eyes. Yeah. yeah. But then, Tal, can I ask you a mm-hmm. question? So when you say, you know, you haven't forgiven, mm-hmm. is that 
The other person or yourself? Probably the other person. But then I did have to go see like a therapist to forgive that person. Like I've now forgiven that person, but for a long time, like I was like, I hate you, it's your fault. Like, But do you harbour any... Anything within yourself that you need to forgive yourself for, like decisions or oh, yeah, choices yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, that's your most important thing. Yeah. Because that other person was just the other person. Yeah, true. Right? They're just another person in life mm-hmm. who came into your life for whatever reason. They're now out of your life. But you're living with you. Mm. So to keep yourself healthy, you have to go in and, and you really, yourself. really, really have to look at all the questions that maybe you've, you don't even want to address. Mm. So a good therapist won't drag them out of you. They'll make you feel so safe that that's you'll so, want to reveal yeah, it. Yeah, that's so funny because the therapist that I did see about this, I think I told you about this, she actually took me back to my childhood when I was my happiest and then she went through this whole thing of going back to my childhood and it, I did end up forgiving myself but it's so funny how different therapists work. work. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm certainly not for everyone. yeah. And that's true. I've seen many therapists and there's been some. And even when I was sick, like um, psychologists and stuff, I went through so many. Yeah. Until you found that one that like just kind of clicks with you. And you just feel safe with them. Exactly. And I think safe feel, is a good yeah, word. Yeah. Safe is a really good word. What's the best advice you would give to younger people? Oh, my God. Once again, it would be please get to know yourself. Mm. And you said before, how mm. do I do this? Um, you know, where you can see a therapist and there's a thing called a genogram that certain therapists know how to construct. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty much like a family tree, but it's intergenerational patterns of communication Mm. and behaviour. So if you can go back possibly three or four generations and you're asked the appropriate questions and then it comes down to you, gosh, you've got squiggly lights feeding into you, this feeding into you, that Mm. feeding into you, and you have a, a better idea of who you are mm. as a person. And you can sit with that. You might really like yourself. That's great. Or there might be things about yourself that you think, oh, I don't really yeah. know. Um, and for whatever reason, when we have something that's tangible, like we can pick it up and actually see it, it gives us permission to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I just ask, so Sarah's obviously asked, what advice would you give a younger person? This is a question to you. At what age did you think you learnt to know yourself? Like how long did it take you? I went to uni. I think I went to uni when I was maybe 55. Wow. Okay. I was going to say this. This is what I want to dive into next because your background and growing up and all that is quite interesting. Mm. I just want to know though what age were you when you Uh, Well, I think I I was 55. Um, I started uni in Melbourne Mm -hmm. before I went, came up to the Brisbane campus and I did a module called Developmental Milestones. Okay. And, um, yeah, I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm really going to do, do it. it. properly, yeah. So I started to get to know myself, Tully. Mm-hmm. But as I sit here chatting to you and my little one, I'm still getting to know myself. So it's like a process. That it's just a keeps, process yeah. that keeps going. And the minute you think you really know yourself, you don't. It's yeah. like in life. The minute you think you know it all, you know nothing. Yeah, so you're like always learning. Yeah. I think as as your daughter, two of the best things you've taught me are don't compare yourself with others. Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, and, and one. I think it's a, something that a lot of younger people still do, like compare your lifestyle, compare oh, your body, 100%. compare yeah. everything. I think it's probably the number one yeah. issue with a lot of young kids. And also to own your own feelings. So if 
say you you're feeling something you want to confront someone exactly what you said before communicate, communicate and say i feel like yeah. you Always don't pro- own your stuff don't project your feelings onto yeah. anyone else yeah and the minute i remember I don't know, really early on in the degree, uh, we were taught to fill in gaps. I feel whatever, mm-hmm. when you whatever, and what I would like. Yeah. So, you know, I feel upset when you speak to me like that. So what I'd like is a bit more respect. And you can have someone else going, oh, no, but, 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 but it doesn't matter mm. because it's how you feel. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing in life, to always own what you feel, feel. and to know that, the one thing that can never, ever, ever be taken away from anyone is choice. So certain circumstances will happen in your life. Some will be great. Some will be really shitty. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it's your choice as to how you respond true. to those mm-hmm. predicaments, whatever they may be. Yeah. I think we learned that last year during COVID Jesus, being in yeah. Melbourne. It's how you respond to situations. Which is really hard. Yeah, it is very hard. You know, it sounds like a throwaway sentence, you know, yeah. let's respond, let's not react. But it's so hard and when it's relentless and it's, it's day initial, in and mm. it's day out and you're not sleeping and you're tired and you're not thinking clearly and your whole world's been turned up down, you're grieving. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm. You're right. Huh. Didn't think of that. Um, now, I also want to say, like, what – oh, no, did you want to go into the uni thing? I – did you want to go into the mum's background? Because mum hasn't yeah, always lived did. this lifestyle. Yeah, 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 I did. But you can go first. No, you go. <laughs> Would you like me to start? Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Obviously, yeah, maybe. You, Tully, Tully only knows this bub, this one that dishes out some wise yeah. words and things like that. But So did you work before you went to uni when, like, you said you went to uni at 55? Can you tell us a little bit about your previous Okay, a succinct life? version of my life. I didn't grow up with a dad. Okay. So I grew up with my, um, I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. So with my mum and my nana. Okay. So I was precious. Mm-hmm. Um, As we all still, are. Still <laughs> is at 66. And that, that sort of continued. Then I met Sarah's dad when I was 16. Wow. And we married when we were both 21 mm-hmm. and I had four kids to Gary. So during that lifetime um, there was no need for me to work. Yep. So I stayed home. Like I've been blessed. One of the greatest gifts I think I've had in life was to be a stay-at-home mum mm-hmm. Even though Sarah would love to jump in and say, but you're never home, you're always at the gym or somewhere, yeah. but we'll let that one go. Um, anyway, that marriage ended and then I married um, a barrister mm-hmm. and once again there was no need to work. Yeah. So I did gym and I did coffee and I did gym and I did coffee, which at the time I thought was and you're just raising the way family life was. As well. Mate, raising a family, she used to forget to pick me up from school. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, she was about 16 at this stage. Walk home. <laughs> Barb was the queen of long lunches. You could walk home. Man. So anyway, due to life circumstances, that ended. Yeah. And, you know, life wasn't great and if it wasn't for my family and their support, mm-hmm. I may not be doing what I'm doing today mm-hmm. or sitting here having this conversation, but they were there mm-hmm. and I am here. And then I thought, you raised good kids. Oh, thank See? you, Tully. I'm proud of them too. <laughs> so then I thought to myself, okay, actually one serious thought, yes. um, but it was very serious at the time when I was probably on the floor, you know, curled up, not mm-hmm. wanting to speak to anyone, was how on earth 
does anyone not have a Maserati and a Mercedes convertible in the garage and live in a 50-square house on 10 acres mm-hmm. with an Ingram pool? Mm-hmm. But they were serious thoughts. Really? Because that's all I'd I known. knew, yeah. And you know how if I want a Chanel bag, oh, my God, how yeah. am I going to buy a Chanel bag? Like mm-hmm. I was such a label person. Mm-hmm. So my greatest, from the harshest lessons in life, we can learn the greatest lessons. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, at that point in my life, I was a lawyer's wife and I walked the walk and I talked the talk mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden that label was ripped away from me and I was no longer a lawyer's wife. So who the hell was I? Yeah. Because I didn't know myself. Yeah. And you were living behind someone else. I was, exactly. I was yeah. yeah. You weren't yourself. No, yeah. because I didn't know myself. Mm-hmm. So that's when I went off to uni and that all sort of followed through mm-hmm. that I got to know myself. You found your purpose. And this is something that Tal and I actually did want to discuss is a lot of our friends are going through that now. They're mm-hmm. having their families and their whole world revolves. Uh, revolves around their families and they do lose themselves. So, so yeah. how do you find that balance? Well, they may be having their families now and it may be important for them to be just absorbed in that because you can still know yourself and have a great idea of yourself as a mum. Mm. Um, and I think for my when my kids were little, like I knew who I was and that person I was then was the mum to four kids and that was really who I was. Yeah. And then your kids get older and they get independent and they start doing things and then you get a bit lost. Like yes, I, yeah. yeah, that's, you know, it's when, I guess when you don't, you use the word purpose before, Sarah. Mm. I think everyone should wake up with a purpose for the day. Whatever yeah. that purpose is and how minuscule it is, it doesn't matter. But when, I guess, um, your kids are all at school, you've got a cleaning lady coming in, you've got this happening, you've got that happening, well, let's go to gym. Mm. And have the same conversation with the same people and do the same thing and go home and it you know, I reflect back now and, yes, I acknowledge that if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here, but I sort of look back and go, oh, my God, how shallow. Yeah. So you said that you were on the floor. Was that like your lowest mo- moment of your oh, life? Oh, my God, so low. Really? So low. Okay. I just thought because I honestly didn't know how people could could live, live if they yeah. didn't have things, mm-hmm. right? And now I see... The opposite. I think why do people attach themselves to things mm-hmm. and forget about living? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You yeah. know, you have to, like, you just have to flip it. Mm-hmm. And you go back to the people I sit with who are unfortunately, you know, facing imminent death, mm-hmm. for want of a better phrase. And it just so happens, yes, one of my young mums is in hospital, the other one, um, her treatment's working, so she's stage four liver cancer. She's got three little kids. Um, and she's been on a trial drug, and that's great. Mm-hmm. It's been working. But all of a sudden, the trial has come to an end. And, yes, they will give her the medication on compassionate grounds, but it has to go through a process of red tape. And the time for that red tape is indefinite. It could be a week. It could be a month. Cancer doesn't wait for yeah. red tape to go through. Do you think people don't actually start living until they're faced with death? Yeah, that's a good question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I give talks or, you know, in in group situations, 
I'll always say to people that, you know, the most one of the biggest favours you can do yourself is acknowledge that you're going to die. Mm. Yeah, it sounds morbid, but death, like every everything like death, like fear, like anxiety, like feelings of depression, they can be your greatest friend because it's from sitting at your lowest, lowest ebb or actually acknowledging that nothing's permanent. Mm. Everything on this planet is impermanent. Mm-hmm. For, it's, for as much as you say that, like, I get it, I know I should be living, but I can tell you now, if I walked into, and you say this, there's always a day when before when someone was healthy. If, say, if I, someone told me I, I was sick and I was dying, I would start living tomorrow. But if they don't tomorrow, I think I'd just be still doing the same mm. thing. It's that conversation where someone says, you're actually okay, a ticking so time if, bomb. So Tully and I, I think I mentioned this yesterday, and once again it's a bit morbid, but mm. if you could write your own eulogy, mm. what would you want to write? Mm. Sarah has what? Sarah has what? God, Sarah, Sarah has annoyed what? Tully a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's true. Yeah. You know, look back, I mean. What would you want on yours, Tull? I don't know. I'd like, I'd probably just want people to see me as like, Nice. Kind, yeah. I don't know, like a kind-hearted go, like go-getter, I suppose, mm-hmm. like lived her life. But then I say that, but then I think talking to you now, I'm like probably don't live my life to the fullest. I have to say the last six months we've been pretty – we've never said no yeah. to anything. I think – and again, referring back to COVID, like every bloody podcast, but I think COVID had something to do with that because I mm. realised that shit can be taken away from you very yeah. quickly and I'm a controlling person, you're a controlling person, Sarah, and to have everything taken away from you, it made me kind of realise like, fuck, like I need to live my life a little bit mm. more to the full and spend time with people that I love a bit more, especially friends, family and stuff like that. So maybe that's how like experience of – and that's it. It's experiences. We're really focusing on having experiences yeah. with all our friends, like having dinners, going on trips, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that's materialistic great. things. No. And stuff. Even we were talking the other day about, I mean, this is going off topic, but like even talking about what you were referring to before, like materialistic things, like handbags, all that yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, okay, we all love a nice handbag, but that to us now, it doesn't, it doesn't actually. But can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why do you want that nice no, handbag? This is what we're talking about. So for now, yeah. so back, you know, in maybe two years ago or a year ago, I'd be like, oh, I wanted it probably more to show shock. people. Yes. But now yeah. I buy things because I want them and I've worked hard for it or something. For example, I've got a Chanel bag that I bought when I was like 18, I think, and because dad gave us money for our birthday. And I bought that actually generally because I wanted it. Mm. I wasn't buying it for anyone yes. else. And then yeah. that's now what I've come back to after yeah. COVID. It's the weirdest thing. And we were talking about that the other day. It's like we buy stuff now because we like, yeah. we want it, and it's for ourselves. Not for anyone no, else. But it's sort of not really weird because you were, you were forced, as most people were forced, maybe mm-hmm. people in Victoria more so, to actually sit on your own. Yeah. And when you're on your own, who do you who's there to impress? Mm-hmm. Who's going to look at your bling? Who's oh my god! Particularly Tal your... and I, we both live by ourselves. Yeah, and I just, yeah. it doesn't like I just generally now look back and I yeah about experiences and stuff like that doesn't. I think we're both much kinder to our families too. Yeah, so I feel like maybe COVID maybe is our near death experience. Yeah, it could. Or, I mean, For many people, yeah. on a very serious note. No, no I'm, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I'm dead, yeah. dead serious. Maybe that is our 
wake up call to yep. live life a little bit. And I generally think it was. Well, people keep saying the great awakening's coming. Yeah. So. Because we just never know. Like, I think what COVID has shown everyone mm-hmm. is I used the word impermanence before, but we just don't know. Yeah. So, you know, we want and we want and we want, and that's great. Have your goals, have your dreams, you know, have it out there. Mm. But also accept that that's what it is mm-hmm. and don't put all your energy out there yeah. because you miss out on this. It's true. You know, I never thought A, I'd, you know, do all the things that going to uni has allowed me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was recently asked to write the grief modules mm-hmm. for the Master of Counselling, the Grad Dip of Counselling, to which I've said no. Um, reason being, uh, I was just accepted by a uni today mm-hmm. to do a grad oh. dip in health research. Amazing. So, I, yeah, so I guess I sat back and I thought, what, how do I want to remem- be remembered? Uh-huh. A, I want to change the life of females. Uh-huh. I feel like my I next, see where this my is going. My next thing yeah, is young females next year because mm-hmm. so many of my young patients with breast cancer have been misdiagnosed. Really? A young girl I was meant to chat to today, but she'll be on tally tonight. You do know you have two sons. Yes, I know, but breast cancer only affects one in whatever, and I've not sat with a lot of men with breast with prostate cancer, so I don't have that knowledge. Yeah. knowledge yeah. I don't have it, but what I've learned, and I so believe we we are given life lessons and we're given information. So right now as I sit here, and who knows what I might do in the future, Mm. like this girl went to the doctor at the age of 28 and she found a lump and it was pea size and the GP says, don't worry about it, just, you know. Really? That was early 2018. A few months later in September 2018 she went to a breast surgeon. It was egg size. Get out. She had it removed end of 2018. It was the size of a cricket ball. And it was the type of cancer that's quite aggressive. Like Mm. we talk about breast cancer but within breast cancer there are so many varieties and, you know, lots and lots of different things. So I think COVID, life, any trauma in life, what I actually want to do is help people take responsibility for themselves mm-hmm. because it wasn't until my life fell apart and I had support and I learned how to be responsible for myself did I realise that was the greatest gift. Huh, yeah. It's, it's, it's so empowering just yeah. to know yourself and be happy with yourself and Is that why you've you know. started your non-for-profit charity Boo Buddies? Oh, well, it's a bit of a story I'm actually feeling my boobs as we're talking. <laughs> it freaks me out. Um, so when I came up to study on the Gold mm-hmm. Coast, um, I actually didn't find study really hard. So I volunteered at a private hospital for whatever reason. Um, I do believe there's something else. I don't know if it's God, the universe, but yeah, there's definitely something else. So I was invited into the intensive care unit or day oncology mm-hmm. constantly and I thought, oh, my God, you know, this is, this is so different. The biggest reason was I was having meaningful conversations with people. Who were on their way out. Or just diagnosed. Yeah. Because here we go with time again. They realise how important time, time is. is. They don't yeah. want to waste their time talking nonsense. Mm-hmm. They don't have time for, you know, look at me and I'm so wonderful or, or just making stories up. It's a real conversation. I have a, you you sit with people actually as well when they're dying. Yeah, I do. Do you, do you know there's something else there? Like 
we actually had a pretty good conversation yesterday and I want to know what happens when people cross over. Well, I don't know when they we cross because they don't come back yeah. to tell me. Yeah. But um, like, you've seen some amazing I've things. I've seen some amazing things. There was a lady um, at a hospice here on the Gold Coast and she was actually from Geelong and I can sort of close my eyes and picture myself sitting with her and she had her pearls on. She'd been married to a GP, lived down in Geelong and he was Greek. Mm-hmm. And anyway, she had the nasal oxygen thing on that kept falling out and she would kept putting it in and I was sitting there and we were watching Tally and she said, Barb, I won't be here in three weeks. I said, oh, do you mind if I ask where you'll be? Mm. And she rolled her eyes like, please don't be silly. And I said, okay, do you mind if I ask how you know? Mm. And she said, because they told me. Get out, really? I said. Who told who? Someone. God. <laughs> no, just people came. Ah. Oh, so it's angels. not like they hear a voice. Yeah, yeah It's a yeah. knowing. Yeah. It's a knowing without actually seeing someone. Or maybe, maybe sometimes they do visualise mm. people. But for this particular lady, and anyway, it's not funny, so I don't know really why I'm laughing. It's probably <laughs> a bit of a nervous laugh. But there was that lady. There was another lady who used to have maybe a bottle of red stashed in her little bar fridge in her room at the hospice. So on a Friday we'd have a sip of red. There was another lady and her name was Barb and she came in and she um, had a brain tumour so she was really, really close to death. So seated in her chair pretty much could speak a little bit but not really functioning and her dinner was brought in. It was pumpkin soup and she said, oh, will you feed me? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't feed you, but I can go get someone else who can feed you. So I, by the time I went and found a nurse and came back, she'd fed herself. Oh. And I thought, often people rally before they're about to exit the world. It's mm. like they get their last hurrah yeah. and they can have a full-on conversation or they can sit up oh, or they so eat a meal or whatever. Anyway, so um, I said, well, that's amazing. And she sat in her chair nice. So you on the knew bed. she was going to go soon. Yeah, well, but how long soon? Mm. And anyway, so I think we were watching Deal or No Deal or something and I thought she was asleep on a couple of occasions and I went to go and she goes, where are you going? I said, oh, I have to go home. Yeah. Anyway, that happened a few times. So there were those three ladies and this was a Friday. Went home, had the weekend, went back in and there was a cleaner there who'd clean voluntarily because her husband had passed at the hospice and it was such a nice place for people to spend their last days. And anyway, I said, oh, how's so-and-so and how's so-and-so and how's so-and-so? And she put her arm around me and she said, oh, they all died over the weekend. And I went, oh. right, I'm going home and I'm never coming back here again. Oh. And she said, no, but don't you feel great because you sat with them and they obviously felt safe enough to go? Oh, my God, that's really cute. So I guess when I say I want to share my knowledge, I want to make people feel safe mm. so that they can explore who they are yeah. and really live live life because life is so goddamn temporary. Mm. Like we just, we don't know. And, yeah, shitty things will happen but don't let them define you mm-hmm. because they've happened for a reason, whatever that reason is. And one of the hardest things in life is to ask why and never receive an answer and accept that you won't receive an answer because why does there have to be an answer to everything? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, There doesn't have to be an answer. 
But the most important thing, so I'm very existential, and I'm not sure if you know what that means, but um, in existential therapy, there are certain givens in life from which you can't escape. So one is relationships. The most important one is what you'll have with yourself. Time and temporality, that's death. Um, I can't remember another couple, but the most important I keep going back to is choice. Because once you own your own stuff, you no longer attribute blame mm-hmm. to anyone else. I agree. You take it back in. Yeah, it's true. And you actually grow. Mm. Like it's, you know, I wish I'd, I don't know. I personally, wish I'd done... personally, that's something that we we have both been working on. We can be quite indecisive. Mm. We're like, oh, no, you too. When you make a choice and you make it for yourself and you don't know the outcome, you're like, well, I made it, that's the reason why. You, you and own so, it. But so what if it's wrong? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're right. It doesn't matter. Sometimes it's better that it's wrong mm. because if every you choice learn. you made was right, mm. how goddamn boring, mm. how mundane, and you'd never learn. Yeah. Oh, that's another barb wisdom I've loved throughout the years is we always talk about a life and work roller coaster, and Mum's like, "Why does everyone think the roller coaster is always just high at happy?" Oh yeah, never. It's never. No. And if you think that you fucking uh, crazy, and that's what Mum says. Imagine how boring your life would be yeah, if all you ever experienced was happy Happiness. and high. Yeah. But there's no and challenges. There's no there's learning. There's no challenges. There's no learning. And you know what you do today. You may, you guys may be doing something totally different in three years' time, four years' time. Like I guess for myself, if you'd said back to me or to me back in 2009, I think I came up here, or, you know, you'll move away from your kids and your grandkids and you'll, I don't know, establish a private practice and then going back to that question about the private practice and establishing boob buddies to help women, they came and they paid and I thought, what the hell am I doing here? I've established this practice to alleviate their stresses and for them to find money to pay me is is actually a stress Mm. because they've lost their job. Sometimes the husband's become the carer, so he's not earning his income, but they've still got the same bills. So that's why I established Boo Buddies. So you're providing therapy for all these families for free. Yeah, and in-home because... If you step into someone's house, anyone stepping into someone's house, you're immediately a guest Mm. and they're empowered Mm. in their own home. So when someone's feeling empowered is when they feel safe enough to actually have meaningful discussions. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the in-home thing. And then through the most beautiful, amazingly courageous people that I'm very, very lucky to sit with, They've asked me to spread the knowledge about emotional oh. dis-ease and physical disease because everyone will come back to something in their life. Now, we don't know if it's right or not, mm. but it's sincerely their belief. And now we do know the correlation between stress and hormones that are released and affect your immune system, et cetera, et cetera. Then there's something to it. So, so a lot of your patients are saying that their stress and one thing you always say, Mum, is that people putting... Um, others in front of themselves not caring uh, caring about themselves enough, that's a stress. So that attributes to their ill health. I certainly said you have to, you know, you have to be respectful of others. I mean we live, we live in a community mm-hmm. so we don't live on an island so it's not all about ourselves. But, you know, it's like for me as a mum, if I don't look after myself and nurture my health, that both physical and mental, 
I'm I'm not going to be a, a good parent. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be a good nana. I'm not going to be a good therapist. I'm not going to be a good anything. Mm-hmm. So I have to work on me to be able to do that. And one of the biggest favours you can do, like go back to COVID, I know everything's about COVID, mm. but a lot of people really struggled during COVID because, yes, they're sitting at home on their own for those who are not in a relationship, mm-hmm. but they're actually sitting with a stranger because they did not know that other person. Mm. So because their life was full of busyness every day, they knew exactly they'd go here, they'd go there, they'd order a coffee, they'd come home, they'd do this, they'd do that. They'd do... All of a sudden they can't do any of that. Mm-hmm. So there are different challenges that start to come in and they go, holy shit, what do I do? Mm. You know, I, I, Was I, there I'm... a spike in therapy last year? Huge. Was, Was it? So I'm actually, I also started a private practice to mm-hmm. help people just ex- acknowledge their emotional stresses mm-hmm. because sometimes it becomes normal. And you might say, but then how do you know when to go to a therapist? It's just when you feel like, oh. You just know. You just go, mm. like, there's something. Yeah. Mm. I don't know, you know, I don't know what it is. And so going back to was it busy? So my private practice is called Inside Out Psychotherapy and I now, um, people with private health funds like Bupa, Medibank Private, um, Police Academy, lots of others, um, they can actually claim off my services now because it used to only be for psychology but the demand out there is so high that if you were a certain level Uh of therapist and belong to a certain association and, you know, I have to have, well, therapy supervision myself Mm. because if I don't have supervision, I'm not going to be able to help the next person. Mm. You know, mm. it's never ending. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's rife out there and it's actually going to increase, I believe, because when JobKeeper, JobSeeper yeah, stops, scary. Yeah. you know, people are just like, you know, it's okay for us. We're sitting here. I think here. it's great for humanity that everyone's getting to know themselves. Yeah, it is. But For all... those who have the courage to, Sarah, yeah. but there will be so many people out there like, you know, We've not heard about the really bad things that have happened mm. during lockdown. We've given data and statistics. Yeah, they don't. And, they don't publicise. But they don't the realise what's happening in people's homes. Oh, that, or in their heads. <laughs> domestic. Yeah, abuse. in their heads. In their heads like, yeah. no, it's yeah. not reported. And yeah. oh, you know, we're very lucky. Well, not very lucky, but we're you know, social media and all that kind of stuff. The messages that I get from some people in lockdown, like how they were suffering and stuff, and I don't ask them to message me. People just feel. Like they can share. Actually broke my heart. I'm like, people, like the messages you get, it's crazy. And people, don't, they don't publicise this. And mm. I feel like you will get like another spike. Oh, I'm sure. And it's really funny you mentioned social media because mm. the young girl today, she's a physio. And mm. so this is three years ago. So she's still, are you ever out of the woods? But she's yeah. technically not out of the woods. But her, um, one of her issues is social media. Oh, I think it's probably in not comparing your life. Just stress. I think in what 80%. way? Well, because we haven't actually discussed it yet, but she posts things to try and help other people. I've read through her social media and I thought, oh, I'm not sure. I think you're journaling for yourself, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. So she's journaling for herself and then other people from all because it's global. Mm. People come from everywhere yeah. and then all of a sudden you're, you're attached to this group of people and then some of that group start to die and then that drags you down and your stresses go up. Mm. So oh, social yeah. media has 
I guess it's, it has its place, but I don't know. I'd be, I'd be into oh, questioning. I think probably 80% of people suffer from social media anxiety, social media comparing, all that stuff. Mm. Probably even more. Yeah. Did you want to touch on ABCD method? Yeah, I did. And Just especially briefly. because we have a lot of females yeah. that yeah. follow us and listen to the podcast. And you were speaking about boob buddies before. And yes, I was touching my boobs because I was just checking. <laughs> gave me a reminder, which I hope people listening, it gives them a reminder. Can you tell us a little bit about the ABC method? Some, okay. some customers might know this because we, oh yeah, in Breast Cancer Awareness oh, Month, yes. we print all out. orders, we yeah. send out flyers with the ABCD method, which mm-hmm. you mum developed. I did develop. And the reason being was because, as I touched on before, so many people are misdiagnosed. Yeah. So many... I've got lots of friends who's, who are general practitioners, so it's not against everyone. No, it's, but yeah. they miss so much, and predominantly with young people, because cancer is always perceived and so wrongly to be an older person's mm. disease that yeah. happens in the body. So they'll go off and they'll say, oh, "I felt a lump," pretty much like I told you before. Um, so for one of my young mums, she was told it was mastitis; she was breastfeeding. Right. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. So what is the ABC okay. method? So um, your breast tissue. Yep. So when you feel your boobs, now three of us will probably feel our boobs, but you go boobs, don't yep. you? Mm-hmm. Boobs. But your breast tissue extends up to your collarbone uh-huh. and under your armpit. So yeah, the A the is your thing. armpit, yep. okay. the B is your boob, the C is your collarbone, and the most important thing is when you're feeling don't take your fingers off. Because okay, you can be having a feel, and there's a certain way to do it, you know. So you can be feeling and then take your finger off and go somewhere else. Right, and, you and missed you've missed a bit. Yeah. And, you know, breast cancer, I mean, people say when they feel it themselves, it's generally the size of a tiny pea. Mm-hmm. So you could miss that. Uh-huh. And, I mean, I, I've got a friend up here who's a breast surgeon, and I said to her, God, you felt so many boobs in your time. How do you do it? And she does a sweeping method. And I went, oh, no. So, but do you check the same time every month too? Yes. So this, I don't know. There's so much. It can be quite lumpy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to find. You know, like there's this thing at the moment. Feel it on the first. There's so much info out there that I just cringe when I listen to Mm -hmm. because it's herd mentality. Yeah. And people say, "Oh, feel it on the first. What if you are on the period around your period time mm-hmm. and your boobs are lumpy and whatever? It doesn't work for you mm. to feel it on the first. So is it better to do it after your period? It's better to do it, yes, because it's when your boobs have settled yeah. down. They're not building up to yeah. get, you know. Milk. To get, yeah, is it to milk get ready. Know, to, yeah. Well, for all the things that yeah. happen in your boobs. So the most important thing is to get to know your boobs. So without feeling, every day... Just look in the mirror and look at your boobs. You also tell it's something about puckering or something? Yeah, so it's not only a lump. Breast cancer doesn't only come in the form of a lump. Um, the puckering is a bit of a sad one. So if you feel, see a puckering, and actually a friend of mine who doesn't live far from here had a puckering under her armpit, but she'd had what, a... a puckering's like when it's sucked in Like a sucked in, like, yeah. like, you know, when your dress is puckered and mm, tucked. Yeah. Um, and she had been told um, maybe a year or so ago not to worry, it's a lump. It's a benign lump. It's fatty tissue. But if don't they want... don't do a, was it a, a man, biopsy, biopsy yeah. and stuff, how can they But Tully, people want to believe what they want to believe. See, I wouldn't do I would go somewhere else and then go somewhere anyway, else. Anyway, so what, what a puckering usually indicates is that it's probably 
Sometimes a tumour closer to the chest wall, mm-hmm. so it's pulling the skin in. So you're, hence the puckering. your goal with the ABCD method and particularly through Boo Buddies is to have shower cards in hotels and people's Absolutely houses. Absolutely everywhere. Gyms. Yeah. Gyms. And for me to give talks, I actually want to give talks because things like that can trigger people. And you need a therapist there to help you talk about whatever's triggered you. They may have an auntie died, a cousin died, a mm. mum died. They may have felt a lump and don't really want to talk about it. That's the thing. A, a lot of people, probably girls our age, probably don't check their no, breasts. No, I was just going to say yeah. that. And not and only that, they don't. Yeah, it's scary. And two, I don't think many women know how to do it properly. They don't know how to do it and properly. And I think that's why yeah. the ABCD method is something that needs to be more. It's Look, it's so important. I've actually written an education resource to go with it. So this has taken years and the breast surgeon I know up here mm-hmm. has put her name to it. So it's not just Barb Wood who's, you know, specialised in oncology psychotherapy who thinks this message has to go out. It's a surgeon yes, who operates medical, day in, yeah. day out, who believes it has to be out there too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I'll lie. Like you just said, I don't know, have an evening at a gym. And oh, people 100%. come along and you teach them what to do. And then if you, the younger you teach people, like if you get it into schools, it becomes a habit. Mm. So you might look at your boobs in the mirror and, you know, look at your nipples and all, and then one day you go, well, I don't really think that looked like that the other day, mm. you know, and so you go off and check it. And if the first person says to you, oh, no, you'll be fine, but your gut tells you yeah, you want a second opinion, else. go somewhere else. Yeah. That's it, I think. Yeah. That was a bit deep and meaningful. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I was. Anyone listening, please Everyone go. will be feeling their boobs. Yeah, literally, please go to the mirror, feel your boobs and have a good time. <laughs> uh, are we going to finish with some questions? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Don't let mum miss out on the questions. You go. Uh Bub, Mum, yes. what's the most used app on your phone? The most used app on my phone would be um, Facebook. So I check on my kids all the time. Oh, that's a good because ah. you don't live in the same state. What is the last picture on your phone? The last picture on my phone is of Claire's girls going to school. Cute. Oh, cute. And what's your favourite way to work out? I well, did call you before and you're on the you cross trainer. You did call trainer. me and I was on the cross trainer. <laughs> so I like the cross trainer because it's not, it's sort of, it's a whole workout yeah. for your body. It's a bit of everything. Um, and then I've got this thing about flabby arms, so I always follow it up with a few weights. <laughs> why, do you, why do you work out apart from the flabby arm situation? Why do I work out? For my own health. Yeah. Like mental health or your body? Both physical and mental. So going back to just, if I can, the breast cancer thing, um, most postmenopausal women think because a, a huge percentage of breast cancers, cancers are estrogen fueled. Mm-hmm. So when you go through menopause, um, you don't have the estrogen in your body or you don't have such high levels. But when you create fat rolls around your body, there's a process that takes place, and I can't remember, I think it's called andopause or something like that, which turns fat cells into estrogen. Okay. Oh, Wow. So it's really important not to have lots of rolls of fat around your mid, around your middle. Jeez, Bob, better work on that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. How cheeky, Tully. Who is your favourite? I I didn't say this. Who is your favourite child? (laughs) Sarah wrote that. Sarah wrote that. Oh, I don't have a favourite. They're all all Mark by far. Let me just say that. (laughs) 
Mark. <laughs> yeah. And I want to know this. If you could adopt a fifth child into our family. Yes. Would that be Tully? Yes, I love Tully. Oh, good answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she didn't even hesitate on that. <laughs> I would happily be adopted. Thanks. Thank you. Tom. Thank you. You sure you want to be a little Pacini? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. They're challenging. I'd be the youngest. <laughs> so you would by yeah, a day. By a day. <laughs> I was just thinking I'm like, I'd be the youngest. Yeah, I'd take that. Bless. Well, this has been a bit different for me, having my mum on the podcast. It's been fun. It's been good. And I, I, I liked having the conversation with you where someone can listen. Yeah, agree. And, guys, don't forget to check out what – do you have a Boo Buddy – you have a Boo Buddies Instagram, don't you? I have Boo Buddies Instagram yeah. and a Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Do the ABCD method and – And please feel free to, like, drop me a line if yeah. you have a query. Slide into my mum's DMs. Yeah. <laughs> no, because it's so She's important. Like, Netflix like, and chill. Yeah. <laughs> don't keep it to yourself. No, 100%. And I agree. And if there's – yeah, I totally You know, agree. like, yeah. take the mask off. Everyone needs to take a mask off every now and mm-hmm. then. Have a chat and then put your mask back on and go out and play the role you want to play. Yeah, yeah. well, bless. I'm going to call this or else mum will keep talking. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.